Um, so our sermon today is going to be on the Magnificat, and we're going to be looking at the Magnificat, well, Magnificat 3. So that'll be Luke 1, verses 51 through 56. I'm actually going to read the whole thing, if you please rise, out of honor of God's Word. I'm going to read the whole thing, but the sermon text is in your bulletins. So I'm going to read Luke 1, verses 46 through 56. And I read in Jesus' name. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant lead Israel. Sorry, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study your word, Lord, to, to learn what it means and how do we apply it into our lives, Lord, we ask that you would bless us, guide us, be honored in us, Lord, and use your word to make us more like Jesus. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, one of the themes that's been constantly going through the Magnificat is really this theme of humility. This theme of, of Mary being in awe that God would choose her. You know, that God would choose her, this teenage girl, this young woman, this not married. She's not from a great and a powerful town like Godal. She's from Nazareth. You know, she's, she isn't... In all reality, Mary doesn't have anything to commend her from a worldly viewpoint. But she's blessed. She's commended by God. And so with that, we, we get into this sermon today because we're looking at power. And where the world gets their sense of power, their sense of strength, what the world looks to, what... What does our culture look to? What what is our government? What the powers that be? Where do they get their strength? How do they know if they are strong? And so Mary says, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. And so our world they look to themselves. Pride. What is pride? Pride is, pride is not, now, there's different types of pride. I'm going to hit this first. So there's different types of pride. Now, I'm, I'm proud of my son. And so if someone, or my children, and my wife, if, so if someone would disparage, would insult my wife, I would stand up for her. If someone would insult my children wrongly, I would stand up for them. That's a sort of a pride. Like if someone wanted to insult my home school, I would stand up for it in places. Um, 
you know, other places maybe not. But, you know, that's, that's a sense of pride. That sense that, you know, you're going to stand up for this thing. If someone insults it, that's pride. That's not the pride we're talking about here. We're talking a pride about taking credit for the blessings and the good things that something has. Like that I would take credit, that I would look at my kids and say, you know, the reason that I've got good kids, that's all me. Like that's, that's me. But the reason that we've got a good congregation, that's me. Like the reason that I've got, you know, any money in my bank account, that's me. That's because of my thriftiness. That's because of my wisdom. That's because of my hard work. That's taking credit for it. And that's this wrong sense of pride. God has scattered the proud in their thoughts. The world looks to pride. The world looks to say, you know, I take credit for this. We think of, well, you know, you can go to politics. What, who takes pride or who takes credit when good things happen? Everybody. <laughs> you know, Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, they all take credit when good things are happening. When bad things happen, who takes credit? Uh, nobody. It's their fault. And that's pride. That's the elevation of the self through taking credit for the good things, but then passing the buck when it comes to the bad things. That's pride. And that's where the world gets their sense of strength. If they can take credit for something, they will because that, they think that that makes them strong. It's not true. God scatters them. God reveals to us that it's Him that does this. The world also then looks to rule. He is... He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. What's, what's the purpose of a throne? It's a place of rule, right? Thankfully in America, we're not supposed to have thrones. Um, but a throne is a place of rule. It's a place by, from which you can tell other people what to do. Like I'm on the throne, therefore I can tell Bree what to do. Whether or not she's going to listen to me. Travis, do you think she would listen to me? Probably not, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's the throne. That's a position of authority. I can tell you what to do. That's a position of strength. That's a position of power. I can command. I can make other people do my will. And that's what the Lord, world looks to. The world looks to rise. Oh, how do you know how strong you are? By how many people I can tell where to go and what to do? You know, God says that's actually not strength. Because God can remove you from that throne. You know, God, could, God can remove President Trump at any point. God could remove Governor Walz at any point. God could remove Christy Noem at any point. God could remove any of these people at any point. He could break their power like that. God could do that. This is God we're talking about. God is the one who removes that authority. God is the one who pulls that back. Because ultimately, this authority is God's. And so it's not our strength. It's a gift from God. And so whatever's going on in our government, they are using the authority that God has given them, not the authority that is theirs. Ultimately, authority doesn't come from the people. It comes through the people. But that authority is finally God's. And so all of these people that are ruling and reigning in our world right now, they're doing that as representatives of God. And God doesn't like it when we misrepresent him. That's never a good thing. 
So God scatters the thrones. God takes them down. Sorry, I was in Zechariah's prophecy and I was trying to figure out where I was at. Ah, the rich he has sent away empty. This is another source of strength, source of, well, maybe not even a source of pride, but a source of comfort, a source of hope. You know, the rich. What do the rich do? What are the rich hoping? Why do people seek to be rich? Because riches are a type of safety net, right? It doesn't really matter what happens to me, I can pay for it. You know, something happens to my car. I don't have to worry about my car because I could always buy a new one. I don't have to worry, not that I want to, not that I'm rich, but you know, that's, that's the sense. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid. We look to our wealth, even as Americans, especially as Americans, we look to our wealth, our ability to produce, our ability to have income in, or our ability to take out credit or debt. We look at that, and that's a sense of security. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid because I got money. You know, and also a sense of power because the government listens, you know, the worldly people listen to people who've got more money. That's kind of the way that things work in our world. That's not the way things work in Christianity. But that's the way things work in our world. And so Mary is saying here that these people, these people who are seeking earthly methods for strength, earthly, earthly ways to, to support themselves and to protect themselves and to rule over others, Mary's saying that's not who God honors. God doesn't look at the world like we look at the world. God doesn't honor the rich. God doesn't honor the powerful. God doesn't honor those who rule. He doesn't give them special ear. He doesn't give our president special ear. Before God, I have as much hearing, I have as much voice before God as President Trump or Vladimir Putin or Macron. I have as much. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't hear me less because I have less money than Bill Gates. But you know, I would bet that if I went to Capitol Hill and I spoke, that our political leaders would listen to me less than they would listen to Bill Gates. Maybe. But God doesn't work that way. Who does God look to? Weird. Thanks, Nathaniel. God looks to the humble. God shows his strength through the humble. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. So, you know, this is interesting. What is God saying? Those who are low those who are little, those who are nothing, those who don't have something worldly to hold on to and to claim and say, see, this is what makes me great. Those people, God says, I lift you up. How does God do that? It's by God interacting with him. God in his majesty. God who is Lord over everything. We really need to think about this. Because oftentimes we kind of take for granted that God hears our prayers, Right? How many of you believe that God hears your prayers? How many of you make full use of that privilege? I don't make full use of that privilege. God hears me. And I say, you know, I can figure it out on my own. Thanks, God. You who know everything, I got this. 
God exalts the humble. Those who, those who say, I don't have this. I'm not great. I'm not wise. I'm not powerful. God lifts them up because they're the only ones that actually come to God. If I'm trusting in my rule, in my throne, then I'm not trusting in God. God says, I'll show you. I can break that throne. I can break that government. I can break that monetary system. God says, I can break any of these things. Don't trust in them. Trust in me. The humble person actually trusts in God. So that's what we're called to. And so when we find ourselves trusting in something else, we have to repent and ask God to forgive us. Because that's sin. That's me saying, hey God, my power is greater than yours. I don't need yours. Thanks. God shows his strength to the hum- hungry. He has filled the hungry with good things. With good things. Those who, those who want, those who lack, those who aren't looking for this worldly stuff. Jesus talks about this. This is actually echoed then in the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You know, this doesn't mean that all the hungry in this world are always going to be filled. Sadly, because of the corruption of our world, there, there's plenty of food in our world. But because of the corruption, because of the sin in our world, people are starving. We pray for those and we work for that. But that's not what Mary is talking about here. Those who are hungry and thirsting for righteousness, God fills them. Not those who've got enough. Not those who say, you know what? I'm, I'm good enough. I don't need you, God. I know enough. I'm smart enough. I'm good enough and enough people like me. No, that's not. That person doesn't need God, but those who hunger, they need God. Because you know what? This world, how many of you are ultimately satisfied by the things of this world? You know, we've ta- asked this question before. How many of us have bought something thinking that that's going to make us happy. And by the time we get home, we're wondering, should I have actually bought that thing? The things of this world don't satisfy. You know, really, they're just more work. But God fills the hungry with good things. Those who seek Him, God fills. How else does God show His strength? So it's not through the things of this world. It's actually, in a supernatural manner, God shows his strength to the hungry. He has helped his servant Israel in 54 in remembrance of his mercy. He has helped his servant. And so those who are seeking God, who is God's servant? He has helped his servant Israel. Who does God help? God helps those who line up with him. Think about that. Does that mean that God's going to make me rich? No. Only if making me rich would advance the kingdom of God. If making me rich would actually detract from the kingdom of God, it's quite possible that God will keep me from being rich. If me becoming powerful would detract from the kingdom of God, it's quite possible that God would keep me from being powerful. Because God can make it, let us win any battle, right? This is God. 
So why would God withhold from us for the sake of his kingdom? As I serve God, God helps me to serve God. Because if I'm God's servant, if I'm the servant of the Lord, am I living for myself anymore? Does that mean that God helps me serve myself? No, because as I serve myself, then I'm not serving God. God helps his servant. God helps those who serve him. To satisfy themselves? No, to better serve him. Because ultimately, that's ultimate satisfaction. That's what Solomon's talking about all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. True satisfaction comes from Christ. That's it. The things of this world don't satisfy. And in the end, it is this. Fear God and keep his commandments. They don't satisfy. Let's see if it works this time. There we go. So then God makes a covenant in remembrance. So this is covenant language that Mary is talking about here. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring of old. Israel, the servant of the Lord, the one who is supposed to be the servant of the Lord. But did God help every single Jewish person? No, because some of them rejected him. God brought salvation to the Jews first. God sent his son to the Jews first. So that all the Jews might come to know him, but some rejected. Why did they reject? Because they weren't Israel. They weren't servants of God. They weren't serving the Lord. They were serving themselves. Why would someone reject Jesus? It's not because of the lack in Jesus. It's because this person doesn't want to look to Jesus. They want to look to themselves. They want to look to their own rule. They want to look to their own riches. They want to look to their own ability. They want to look to themselves. So then they reject Jesus. So what does God do? God scatters them. God brings down the rulers. God brings down the thrones. God breaks the things of this world so that we might know that the things in this world don't satisfy, but it's only in Jesus. We, that's why we need Jesus. Because it's only Jesus. Jesus is the one that satisfies. Jesus is the one that rules. Jesus is the one that helps. Jesus is the one that fills. This is Christ. And that's why we need Christ. You and I, we need Christ. It's like where we have fear, we need Christ. Where we have anxiety, we need Christ. Where we have hope, we need Christ. Where we have joy, there is Christ. This is what we need. Especially during times like this. We need Jesus. We don't need more government. We need more Jesus. We need more Jesus in our government. You and I, we're called to be lights into this world. Are we living it? That's what we talked about in our prayer time. Boldness. We need to be bold. To walk with the Lord. To show the Lord in all that we're doing. Because that's what our world needs. That's what it means to be Israel. To be the one that wrestles with God. To be the one that seeks God. This is Israel. This is our calling. This is what we are in Christ. This is who He remembers. Because what does it mean when God remembers you? That means that God fulfills His promise in your life. Fulfills His promise in and through us. In and through you. Because that's the promise of God. That's what remembrance is. It doesn't mean that God has forgotten you. It means that God has chosen this time to fulfill His promise in us. This is remembrance. And God remembered Israel. So also God remembers us.
God fulfills his promise. God works. You know, think about this. With all of this stuff, oh man, the stuff that's been going on four years, how God fulfills his promises, how God works, how God moves. You think about it. Praise God. God remembers. God makes, God fulfills his promises. Doesn't mean that God relies on us to fulfill his promises. It's God fulfills his promises. He remembers his people Israel. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. So how does Mary end the Magnificat? By remembering the promises of God. Mary says, we don't deserve any of this stuff. This isn't because of our greatness. Friends, really, why are we where we are? Why, why do we have the Lord? Why do we know the Lord? Why are we blessed? Why? It's not because of us. It's not because of our greatness. It's not because of my great humility. It's because of the Lord. Because of His power and His working. Because He is defending His name. Because He remembers His promises. Because He remembers His people. Because He answers. It's because of the Lord. Think about that. Don't hope in yourself. Don't hope in the things of this world. You know, even if the vaccine comes through, is it going to fix everything? You think the vaccine for COVID could fix the divide between the Republicans and Democrats? Probably not. Do you think it could fix our school systems? Probably not. Do you think it can fix our debt problems? Probably not. Even if we get a COVID vaccine, all it could fix is one fear. So we don't hope in the things of this world. Hope in God. It's God who is powerful. Don't hope in ourselves. Don't give, take credit for ourselves. Hope in God. Brothers and sisters, this Thanksgiving time, honestly, hope in God. Where you have fear and turmoil and anxiety, bring that to Jesus. Say, Lord, I'm afraid. Lord, I have anxiety. Lord, I, I don't know. Bring these things to God. And we drop them off there and say, Lord, show me what I can do. But everything beyond that, you've got to fix. And you know what? God works. How do we know? God sent his son to a virgin from Nazareth. He also will remember us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you hear and that you work and that you answer. Lord, that you don't look at us as the world looks. But let's not make those things our priority. Let's make our walk with you our priority. Guide us, Lord. Now, especially during this Thanksgiving time, this holiday time, this stay-at-home 
recommendation, whatever it is. Lord, we pray that you would work in us. Lord, that you might be glorified in us. Lord, and that this world might know you through us. Use us, Father, not in our greatness, but in our humility. For the sake of your name, Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's close now with a prayer that our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now